welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Kate Freeman, I am clearly beside <laughs> clearly beside myself that I finally managed to, to nab you for an interview. So thank you so much for agreeing to do this. Uh, it's a pleasure. You have had many uh, of my colleagues on um, <laughs> and especially when I spoke to Cindy the other day and she said, I hang on with you. She has. So there you go. It's um no she never forgets a face or a interview. Yes, I've um, introduced so. a few people to Cindy in New York as well. People from London and Iceland and <laughs> all oh, over. Oh yeah, she's um yeah she all over all over. I need to get yeah, some Cindy. I, I want to get some Cindy Gallup <laughs> lipstick. I think when you get a lipstick named after you, which she has got, um yes, you know that says speaks volumes. But anyway, enough about Cindy yeah. Gallup. Let's talk about Katie yes. Freeman. So um, yes. let's start off by telling everybody what it is that you do and why you do it. Nice small question yeah. to kick it off. <laughs> yeah, well, you alluded to <laughs> complexity to my uh, CV. Um, I, look, I at the moment um, have been focusing on working with women entrepreneurs. Woo-hoo. I don't say female founders anymore because that word has uh, had quite a bit of stigma now attached it? to it because it's been thrown around. Oh, do I yeah, need to stop using it too? Doesn't test well. No, 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 you don't have to. It's a shift that I made um, Wait, in my language. And if you, well, just that, you know, it's an over, uh, we're stuck in a problem state. So we're in the quicksand, right. if that makes sense. I don't do the quicksand and the problem state. Um, I like to look at what we can do solution-wise, um, you know, to push things forward. Yep. And, in fact, I think I said on a LinkedIn post a few weeks ago, if you hear me post about this problem one more time, just unfollow me. Just penalise me. <laughs> just just penalise me for it because it's not – I had a um, – I've had many people shape my career. One of them uh, was a gentleman that I worked for in London, and I remember I was about 22, and he said to me, never bring me a problem, just bring me the solution. Oh, my God, that's so funny. And that stayed with me for now 22 additional years. That is so funny. Um, because- I know I look 21, but I'm not. <laughs> um, but no, he said that to me, and that has stayed with me, actually, and even as a leader, it's something that uh, – you try and instill within the team. That's so funny it's, because you know, might not be the right one, but it's the discipline of actually getting yeah, you know yeah. out of problem state Make, and moving into solution mode. Makes sense. I unfortunately am always in solution mode, and I end up having friends and family going, "Can I just talk to you?" Without you always having to come up with a solution. So I know. Well, it's called always being at Z, <laughs> um, as opposed to everyone's everyone else is at A, and you're down at yeah, Z, that's right, and you've lost everybody <laughs> along the way. So then I had to fine tune that sort of to make sure that. I moved at a pace that was you know, reasonable for others. Um, okay. So, so uh, what actually, what would you call yourself now? I know you like working with female fan, uh, women entrepreneurs. Um, I would call myself, look, you know, <laughs> if you had to generalise, I'm can. probably some sort of consultant right. of some sort. Um, I am an angel investor. Right. Um, I have clients, advisory clients that I work with, um, where I particularly work at the sort of scale up end more than the startup end of the market. So, um, you know, looking at growth, going into series A rounds, um, you know, both strategic work, but also hands-on, um, because the reality is I think that you have to, um, 
I was going to use a phrase that I won't use. Um, but you have to eat your own cooking <laughs> as opposed to eat your own. <laughs> I, you know, you could guess what I might yes. have said. Um, so as you do that, um, I've also um, uh, spent a lot of time. I've done SBE. I've done tech stars. I've done tech ready women. Um, you have done I've a lot. I've been asked to join a number of boards, which has been really good. Um, you know, that sort of advisory side is really is great. Um, and tend to take more of a remit around investor-ready, um, you know, governance, survey, compliant with their constitutions, you know, like what, what, what do we need to be looking at metrics-wise to move into the next phase, you know, that sort of stuff, as well as operational, um, because I do, I guess from a functional perspective, you would say I'm a marketer is what I would have said right, 10 years ago. Right. I'm a growth, you know, it's Great. You know, growth generally. Okay, so you've kind of alluded a little bit to some of the things you've done in the past. Let's go right back to where you were a little girl and then you're going to, touch, I hope, share with me your story. I wanted to be a doctor. <laughs> I wanted to be a doctor um, okay. when I was young. Okay, so you wanted to be a doctor. Where did you grow up? What did your mum and dad do? Because I do think that the role modelling is interesting, so it's uh, it's nice to yeah, ask that question. I had a, yeah, yeah, no, I, do, I had a very... Um, humble uh, upbringing. Yep. I lived in a suburb called Cheltenham in Victoria with my oh, parents. Oh, I know that. I didn't live far uh, from you. Yeah, my mum was a school teacher. Um, my father was an accountant who had his own practice. Okay. Um, both worked very hard, uh, you know, out the door at seven, in the door at seven. My brothers and I would walk to school, make our own lunches, get home from school. How many brothers do you have? Um, you know, I've got two brothers, two younger brothers. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm the classic old sister. <laughs> so am I. Um, and um, so I've got a middle brother that actually has moved to Sydney as well. So I moved to Sydney 10 years ago with my ex-husband. Okay. Um, he got a, a great role and a great opportunity up here. Um, and our children were young enough at the time that uprooting them wasn't an issue. Okay. Well, um, hang on. Let's and, Don't tell me right now. I want to go right back. So did you enjoy school? Were you good at school? Primary or secondary? Uh, well, after in year five, my primary school suggested I might be suited in somewhere else. Uh, I moved. Who gets kicked out of primary school? Because I told everyone what sex was in year five and got in big trouble. So I went to a private girls' school, yeah. um, of which, you know, it was a big sacrifice for my parents and I was not, I'm not suited to an all-female environment. Um and in year nine, I moved to a school in Melbourne, Corfield Grammar School, yep. that had just gone co-ed. Right. So I was in the first cohort and Fun. I probably went from someone who my parents thought, oh, my God, what is she going to do with her life? Um, to an Excel A to student. finishing school with an academic award. Wow, Katie, that's and amazing. I hid the fact that I studied, though. I must admit that. Right. It was, I was clandestine <laughs> about my housemaster said to me at the end of year 11, you can either, because I wanted to get into this particular course, I knew that. I only took 42 still people. Wanting to st- it was the only PR course in Australia. I was going to say still wanting to be a doctor. No, by then you'd changed it to wanting to be in PR. No, the, well, the math skills had had that ruled out. Yeah. <laughs> when my math teacher said to my parents, she tries hard, she just doesn't have it. Yeah. Um, that was kind of the end. Um, but then public relations was starting to become uh, an industry. And there was a course at RMIT in Melbourne. It was the only course in Australia at the time. Right. And I thought, oh, I want to do that. And they only took 42 people and it was highly competitive. 
And so I got a big talking to from my housemaster at the end of year 11 telling me that I could be a dropkick or I could do something with my life. Um, and you took I the pretended ladder. I didn't listen. You'd be very proud uh, of me yes, now. Yes, I did something. Okay, so um, yeah, I think I'm really amazed. So you yes. finished with an academic yeah. award, and you go off to RMIT. Yep. Did you enjoy the time at RMIT? I got in, yep. Well, I um, not really. I oh. got to. I did a um. Put it this way, I'm a big believer in learning through doing. Yep. So there's all sorts of um, L&D frameworks. There's one that's called um, 70-20-10, which is that 70% of, you know, what you learn and take in and then therefore deliver is done on the job. And in my at the end of first year, first semester, I got a six-week internship at Hill and Knowlton. Right. And at the end of that six-week internship, they offered me a full-time and job. You went, I'm in. So... I mean, I'm in and I finished, I still finished uni, um, just at a slightly slower pace. Having um, now got and in and helped RMIT PR students, so I'm sort of on the advisory board or I was for a while, They, I, I think it's a much better idea to go and get a job basically. I don't know how to say it nicely, but they had no idea. They'd never sent out a media release, spoken to a journalist. They'd just heard all this theory. So I think you probably did pretty well to jump out no, I do, yeah. and go in and do it on the job. I did, and I was so lucky. I still am, you know, the people, this was how I many I was in, I was 18 right. when I took that job um, and I haven't stopped working since and um, I'm still really good friends with um, a lot of the people. Yeah, that's nice, isn't it? One of the guys is probably one of the best reputational lawyers in the country, uh, sort of not lawyers, um, PR people. Um, nice. Wow. You know, they're all still around. Kicking around, Helen Mills. She's global head of uh, global head of uh, public relations for Mars, wow. um, based over in the UK. Yeah, we've got some, we had some real special real people that have gone on and done some great things. So, how long did so, you stay there? Um, for a year. Okay. Um, and then what? What happened? Where'd you go next? I did an event with a company called Hill and Knowlton. No, sorry, um, Jay Walsh Thompson. Yep. We shared a client. At agency. Jay Walsh Thompson. Yep ad agency and I'm going they just pay to put stuff in the paper like they're not faxing shit yeah like, they're not begging just, that's much better <laughs> and which is like stupid yeah. that is a Complete. stupid rationale for a job no, but at this point I'm 19 right good so, experience see both sides of the coin yeah so I crossed over yeah I was offered a role um and I spent a couple of years there yeah. um working on Herald and Weekly Times Ford Motor Company nice. um and then I decided that London was calling right like so, every yep. Australian okay so you jumped on working a, so did you jump do you have an Okay, so you just got a working visa, you jump on a plane, you go over to London. Was there a job waiting for you? Did you ask Jay Walter Thompson to find you a position over there? Or I know I didn't actually. What I did was I got there and Ford actually, which was the where I had the last account I'd yeah. worked on, they had Ford agencies in the UK. So I just applied to all of them. Right. And I got offered jobs at two. Yep. Um, and I chose the one that was the least commuting distance um, from my house. Yeah. And I ended up there for four years and it was, I wouldn't say it was my career role, but it was an instrumental. That was where I had the boss um, that just taught me so much. And, um, yeah, it was a really great. And that's where I met my best friend who's now got my godchildren. Oh, wow. Um, uh, was she Australian? So it was a very, 
another Aussie? No, she's British. Okay, so she's over there. No, she's British. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I do yeah. think that they. I mean, I went over when I was a little bit older and worked in sort of design, advertising, marketing, and they are streets ahead of Australia. I mean, even some of the things they were doing there then took ten years to come here. So uh, it's a really oh, good. Oh, completely, branding. and I went into digital as yeah, well. Yeah, which of course probably so no one was talking about. Here. Everyone here's doing towers and banners, and you know they're already sort of half yeah. out the door with programmatic. So, um, so it was a. Yeah, so you stayed in the role experience. role for four years. Did you come back to Australia after that, or did you stick around and do a different role? No, I came back because uh, my grandmother was sick, actually, right. and we lost her. Um, oh. And just having every intention of going back, because I was sponsored at this point, um, I just didn't want to leave my mum, right. So, who was my best friend. And so I stayed and um, freelanced around, um, did a year at Nike, which was great. Well, um, it was the year that um, they did the collaboration with Apple, so the first Apple bus shoe with the – Okay, um, I, do, I think I missed that. Um, not being sporty, that would be yeah, why. Yeah, <laughs> if you're not a runner, it's not really relevant. Right. It was the year that the um, Socceroos got Lucas Neal, and he's super hot. Um, <laughs> I used to get distracted a lot. Um, it was the year that they were in the World Cup yep. over in Munich yep. as well. So it was, it was a 12 month contract because it was a high volume year um, in the communications department, which was awesome. Um, right. And then I got on what I would call probably my career role after that. Oh, and what was, was that? Tell us years. all. Well, I got um, – there was a really good headhunter in Melbourne that I really liked and she sent me a role description I read it and I went, I was working for NASA. Like I've got no idea what uh, this okay. is, right? Uh, she said, well, why don't you just go and meet with the manager? And anyway, I met, met with this woman. Well, three hours later I left because um, we got to make a house on fire. And, you know, to an extent, it made, we talked it through and, you know, it was just written in recruiter language. Yeah. Um, what does it really but mean? She said, you've got something I can't teach. So that's what I need. Right. Well, just as in, if, you know, you can come in and, you know, come in and yeah. you know, create a bit of change. And so I joined and I stayed. I was there for 11 years and NASA. had two children. Um, through there, was treated fantastically. Um, well, tell us I a little bit about that role. The organization. You've got to tell me a little bit about it because um, there's another. Um, so it was working on oh, yeah. um, brand architecture, which at the time was, was really not something that people were quite yet. It was new. Yep. And um, with the acquisition of MLC and a whole lot of other stuff, are we a master brand? Are we a house of brands? Are we, how are we going to treat the nomenclature in all the different, you know, NAB agribusiness, NAB business, right. NAB retail, you know. So, you know, and because we decentralised and re-centralised every two, two years, that would change. Um, but it was just a great so, – you go through with a cohort, I think, in some of these big organisations. So is this, this is the NASA and, that's astronauts in America? Is this the same NASA? No, no, NASA's National Australian Bank. Oh, no, my not. God, I the thought you said NASA. The thing is it read like – no, no, the the job description read like it should oh, be I NASA. got you now. So okay. It was like I'm going – I'm reading it going, I can't do this. Wow, so NAB it. created all these great opportunities and you loved it. Yeah, NAB was absolutely wow. – well, I had the time of my life. It was brilliant. Wow, so – Worked for the same woman for, for eight years out of those 11. Right, which probably made a difference. Um, yeah, across many different areas. Yeah. Um, certainly not in the same one. Um, wow. And yeah, it was it was it was great. 
as I said, had two kids with no and came back to work and and they were all wonderful. You know, worked a compressed weeks. Uh, you know, recognised that you know that you probably do nine in ten, so just do nine in ten. How um, great! You know, and so why did you leave? And what was the next thing on the? Um, I left because we had sort of come to the end. The last three years I spent in doing transformation of um, sort of some of their archaic or analogue, I guess you'd say, uh, processes within their logistics areas. So we ran uh, case studies and programs to make check processing digital to make what they call essential correspondence digital. Um, And once we kind of got to the end of the line there, um, there was kind of a whole cohort that sort of was looking around going, yeah, I think my time's done. Yeah. Right, and right. I was lucky enough actually to get approached by someone that had been a stakeholder um, on that program, one of those programs, right. um, to go and join him in a property business um, uh, heading up their sales, marketing and uh, communications. So well, there's a different um, I, Off I went. Off I trotted. Yes, off to go and work land. in real estate. Interesting. Yeah, went, I've got my, got my real estate license. Okay. Um, yep. And, um, yeah, it was um, – I spent two years working for them was and they had group? developments all up and down. Uh, no, I'm, they're probably – they're not – they're probably third tier, okay. realistically, when you think about the, the top tiers being your meritans. Which is kind of you know, nice, though, in some ways. Yeah, it is a smaller sort of organisation um, that was going through a lot of transformation. Yeah. Um, and first – First CEO that was other than the founder, so it was actually a very big um, sort of change. Right. And I met some incredible women there as well, actually, that I'm still really good friends with. Um, so, yeah, I did that for two years, but I had to stop that because there was a lot of travel. Right. Um, but yeah, up and down the eastern seaboard to different developments. And, yeah, too hard with the kids, with um, my ex-husband travelling a lot as well. So um, I, in the end, went. I think I need to hang up the boots on this one. And go back to Sydney. So what was the next role? I'm really interested to see at what stage. Uh, The next role was um, actually a year of contracting. So a couple of um, people that I met in the property business um, that were investors or what have you um, had had met me and had other developments that had problems and I sort of became this kind of little misfixed consultancy for about a year where... Yeah, we're just going, yeah, just overhauling marketing programs or sales programs or rebranding or, you know, whatever it might be. Most of my work from one particular firm. Yeah. Um, but which, which was highly amusing, actually. <laughs> um, a lot of stories around a lost BMW um, that was always parked at Brisbane Airport, but we won't go there because it will reveal the people. <laughs> okay. um, so that was, a, that was really a really good year. And then I um, incidentally went back into uh, employment because I was um, recommended by a girlfriend that sat on the board of Zero um, for a role with one of their, uh, a Zero, uh, one of their global partners. Okay. So Zero. Counting software. 12 now, but at the time they had about eight. Right. So they have all the apps and boltons in the world, but they have um, sort of eight strategic businesses that they sort of work with. Okay. And it was for one of them that was growing rapidly out here and I went in as their VP of marketing for APAC. Right. And about three weeks of later became the VP of marketing globally. So um, wow. after leaving the other job to stop travelling, these guys were based in the UK. I then went between London and Sydney oh every six God. weeks for two years. Right, which would yeah. wear anyone so down. 
which would wear, uh, I kind of liked it um, only because I loved the job. I, I honestly um, really, really loved what we did and the people and the culture and, um, yeah, it was, it was really special. But they, trying um, to juggle I, I, a long-distance role like that if you've got young kids, which I think you had at that stage, was that yeah. all a little bit kind of fraught? It, it was. We were lucky that we had um, really good help. Right. Um, we had really good help from the day they were born, really. Yep. Um, so because I lost my mum before that oh. and my mother-in-law at the time was unreal. Yep. Um, but doesn't do small babies. She's like, right. you know, she's a great grandmother walk. regardless. <laughs> yep. And um, so, yeah, but it, it just ended up that COVID hit. And, you know, with no, I still remember my last trip back was I landed in March 2020. Way, right, very Yeah, I remember going through KL. Everyone's in masks. And in London there was no awareness of it. Right. You know, like they just ignored it. It just hadn't quite hit. And I'm going, everyone's in masks. And what happened? I'll get home and what's going on? And then obviously from there it blew up. Yeah, 20th, Um, I think it was in March that it, it hit here. And by the beginning yeah, of April, we were all locked down. Back in. Right. So, yeah. what do you do so, um, then when you've got this international job that obviously is going to be very difficult to hold on well, to? Well, um, uh, we, you know, based on for a whole lot of reasons, with that hitting, was that um, we actually ended up reasonably closing down the Southern Hemisphere right. operation right. at that wow. point. Um, and we, everything was consolidated into the UK, particularly because the world suddenly went online. Yeah. Um, and I became chief homeschooler. Right, which would have been challenging in anyone's language. So, um, well, my kids gave me a lot of feedback. I bet they loved it. As to my uh, <laughs> capabilities um, and around homeschooling. How did you um, get scored? I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't score very well. <laughs> But they would have loved um, having you around. So, I mean, that was a, one of the bonuses, I guess. Well, I used to teach them about music. We, we do an artist every week, oh, okay. you know, Prince or Fleetwood Mac. I took them through the classics. Um, my son had just started at a new school at the time, actually. So he was um, he had quite a structured approach. Yeah. My daughter was still at her old public school. I would just open the cupboard and she'd be in there with the iPod and I'd just close it again and hope <laughs> that she can come out. You know, it was sort of. I do. So, so what age are your kids? Got the, you know, what what roughly what age are um, they? They're thirteen and eleven now. Okay, so they were sort of like so ten and thirteen year old son. Ten and eight, yeah. Yeah, ten and eight. Yeah, <laughs> ten and eight. Yeah. And so, I'm guessing yeah. it's around this that you got into the entrepreneurship space. Well, yes. Well, I kept I kept consulting um, and with uh, scale ups and startups. Um, How did you get into a, that a though? From from the well, the zero role. Futurely um, was yeah. So Futurely itself was a scale up, right. and while we were there, we went through a Series A. You know, so you know, I understood all experience. those processes and you know what have you. Um, and then I worked with some other companies that were growing um, as it related to getting ready to raise. Okay, so becoming. Uh, you know, investor-backable businesses. And was this and through SBE or was this just through your own contacts? No, this is just me, okay. just myself and and networks um, and just being referred in here and referred in there. I was really fortunate. Yeah. Um, it wasn't a full-time load. I probably did only did about three days a week because I had to supervise 
the homeschooling. Um, <laughs> and at one point, my ex was in lockdown, so I had to uh, deliver the meals to the door, and you know that was sort of make all of that happen. And did that marriage um, sort of break down around the time of the pandemic as well? I did. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it was yeah. tough on. But we're st- we're still good friends, right. and kids uh, um, spend equal time with the two of us. Um, and you know that's yeah. Had lunch last week. You know, so life life goes on. Yeah. Um. You know, no, you never get married thinking it's going to end. So it's never. True. Um. It's all still carries pain. Um. But it gets it gets easier over time, like any form of pain or grief. Yes, as long as the, as, as long uh, as process. both of you played the same game. And unfortunately, in my marriage breakup, my ex has never spoken to me again, pretty much. So. But that's a whole other story. Mm. So, um, so yes. tell me a little bit more about how you've moved into this space so far. Well, I did some. Um, so there was a, a business launching here in Sydney, um, and I knew one of the uh, managing partners, yeah. uh, and he asked if I would do some contracting um, just for them to get ready to launch. Um, and through that, they actually asked me to come on um, in a sort of CEO capacity and lead the business. Right. Um, as uh, were because it needed to be established, um, like right down to setting up zero. Yeah. Um, as they, you know, started to build the pipeline, um, their partners, uh, you know, reignite their investor base with the sort of new branding and what have you. So um, I stayed there for a year, yeah. um, and it was just the calling to work with. You know, I I became fixated is the wrong word, but I became quite exasperated with. Um, you know, what I was actually seeing like right before my very eyes, like in terms of the way that females are interviewed versus males are interviewed. It's shocking once you start being aware of it, isn't it? It it just, it is. And and really witnessing it, Mm. you know, and not getting funding because, you know, you're pregnant and it's too much of a risk. Sorry. I'm like, if that was an enterprise, we'd be off yeah. their work. And club. think of all those women but, that are creating you know, job uh, businesses that are for women who are, say, pregnant. And suddenly you realise that the investor base in Australia, most of them have no bloody idea about it at all. So, and of course, they're not interested. No, mm. no. So, <laughs> Australia also has an allergy to D2C businesses, which women uh, tend yes. to create because they're looking at solutions for people. And service-driven businesses um, rather than tech and is the other thing that women love. <laughs> Correct. Yep. And often based on experience yeah. as well. Yeah. But that's a good thing because they've seen often seen a uh, problem as a solution and that's that scale. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, you know, uh, so I've been, that's where I've been, uh, working as a, an angel investor. Um, I've been working with all of the um, different uh, women's groups. I've been working up on my own consultancy um, and I've been I've got a number of advisory roles. So that keeps me. I would think very busy. busy. When you look at it, if, if anyone wants to go and look at your LinkedIn profile, it's a very, very long <laughs> list of businesses that you're involved with. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and look, we'd Which like to brilliant. get a fund up and running. Um, You'd like to get but it's sorry, a what? tough time. Well, we've had, you know, we've got a, a fund yes. up and running, um, but a fund that create, with, with a gender lens that actually creates um, a opportunity for um, females to realise their potential. So, you know, things like, um, uh, you know, Building in, we've got we had 24 24/7 mental health support, 
private health cover. We've, you know, we've gone out and yeah, absolutely, we're even like helping businesses transition, like with mat leave. Yep. Another problem when women go out of their businesses um, is they come back and it's, it's a, like it's gone. Yeah. It's their revenue's gone. I've had, I had a girlfriend that went away billing X and came back and it wasn't there. It was almost nothing there. And so, you know, we had solutions because we have a, we have a, it's how I consult, but wrapped into a fund. Right. And we've got, you know, uh, a lot of LPs interested. Um, Sorry, what's an LP? What have you, but it's the market uh, limited partner. Okay. So that's a, and just an investor. A, so like a, a sleeping know, a, a large investor. like a sleeping partner kind of or, or whatever where they put the money I mean, in they, 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 they usually um oh yes you find yeah, yeah exactly yeah. put the money in let you run it so but um you know unless you can't really raise less than 10 um and kind of break even and you wouldn't actually create a close without at least five in the bank right and we've been a bit shy of that um and there are some indicators that, you know, this side of Christmas that's not likely to change. Um, so we're looking at there's another way to raise, um, which uh, it doesn't create a fund, but you can drive them into funds called a special purpose vehicle. Uh, yeah. um, so that's where a number of people can come together into one SPV and invest in a business. Uh, so, right. um, and there's a couple of organisations that also that you can do that through that take on retail investors, which um, can be very uh, lucrative and it's better than crowdfunding. Right. Um, that can be better, quite lucrative for D to C and for females. So yeah. um, that's what we're focused on this side of Christmas. Um, the problem is finding the businesses at the moment. because well, usually the businesses that, that want to be invested in? No, well, the businesses that would fit that sort of criteria, because you need to be billing, you know, probably between, you know, two to five hundred ARR right. a year. Yeah. Um, and you know, the businesses out there with that sort of balance sheet, um, are not necessarily. Uh, there's not a lot. Yeah. At the moment, yeah. not run by so women anyway. Seed, seed is busy. Seed is really busy. Yeah. Um, but there's obviously a lot of um, a lot of. Uh, uh, demand and not a lot of supply um, and yeah the other end the market is just quiet because if you are raising at that level you're probably not doing it in November right I must remind remind me to introduce From a time you to someone perspective. as well okay so I do please I will do. Like to, okay so um, what's there so something that interests me is I know the pandemic came and um, you were working with zero, so you were kind of seeing what was going on with businesses as well. But was there a bit of a light bulb moment for you to start investing? Did you see something or did something happen? Um, I, look, I had always been interested in investing, but had um, the position that my husband had meant that we could only invest in uh generic retail funds right. um, based on the type of organisation he worked for and you have to go through a global complex committee and right, like right, this right. whole okay. thing. So that was really the handbrake. Um, once we were legally separated, I was then able to um, invest in whatever I wanted. Follow so, your heart a bit. Um, I, yeah, so that's when I started um, Angeling um, and, you know, looking at different businesses um, I've done a couple based on passion uh, 
and a couple based on what I believe will be performance. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they're all going well. Um, even the ones that I don't have a formal role. I, don't, I mean, I don't invest to get to get involved to be on a, to boards. No, I just, you know, it's not. But if they ask you and they think you've got value, then that's flattering. Um, you know, so by all means, but there's a number that I'm invested in and they just kind of run their own show and you get your investor update and you're like, that's great. Um, and, you, tempted, you know, but they're a long-term game. Are you tempted to do your own, to start up your own fund company now that you've got all this experience, you've seen well, what people are doing? Well, it would be a fund. If I was going to do anything, it would be okay. a fund. Yeah, as I said, but it's not the market's not ready for it right now. No. Um, well, I, I love what Vicky, I've interviewed and... Vicky Saunders, who's the founder of SheEO, which is now Coralus, which is a really lovely concept. Yes, I was a I member of them for quite some time. Yeah, really yep. great concept yep. and, and yep. very definitely breaking breaking the rules in terms of the way that um, investors normally, you know, ask the questions even. I, I like their application process that it's very simple and mm. easy to get, you know, on the mm. radar. Mm. So, yeah, um, it's in- it is. it'll be interesting. And I think the other thing as well. Yeah, go on see how their journey but the other thing too is that I'm particularly passionate about um protecting cap tables and I've seen a lot of businesses get to you know their pre-series A or what have you and the founders have got like 51 percent yeah well so I had a bit of a you're gonna have to try and and I'd, exit. I'd actually don't think that a lot of women realize that that's going to be a problem at the time I think there needs to be some strong education around that because well equity feels like free money it does and and you think like i haven't got anything else i can give them so i'll give them a chunk of my business but um it was i had a great interview whereas there's a couple of debt firms yeah go on sorry go on i was just gonna say i was just gonna say is that i (laughs) we've got this time delay you go (laughs) Tracy Warren was what I was going to say from F5. So I had a great chat with her. I, love I know she's I brilliant. I actually rang her the other night instead of my friend. She's brilliant. But um, <laughs> she right. alerted me to the fact she said, I actually can't even look at a company unless the owner, the founder, has got at least 75%. And I was that was one moment where I went, wow, I, I don't think a heap of women I know that. I don't disagree with her. I, yep. I think there's a lot of women that yep. have no idea. And I know in my first company, Handle Your Own PR, I handed a guy. 10% of the business for helping me write a business plan, which was less than six weeks and didn't work anyway. Another okay. 5% because I really liked someone. Another 10% because they, you know, and, and you're just what, handing out um, percentages willy-nilly to people who might, I mean, who, who might only be with the business for a couple of months. It was so, it was such a learning And the other issue too curve. is that women are undervaluing yeah. their businesses, which contributes to this, like a cumulative, like, pressure cooker um but there is a really strong role for debt in the market right and we obviously have debt venture firms that um, what does that mean what does a debt venture firm do um so they provide debt instead of equity so um you know rather than take you know take equity take two million in equity and you know see yourself become x amount more diluted you can actually go and um you know take a take out debt with a venture partner who have a whole slew of uh, ways in which you can repay that as well right um and you have protected your cap table oh so it's like a loan actually is that what yeah but and if you're getting the growth then you're actually up yeah even with the the debt um, and it's, uh, yeah, 
you know, there's one business that, that you know, has got like over 200 uh, companies on their books. Wow. Um, I've never even Because who it. wants to invest in a business that's spanking equity on Facebook ads? Like it's, that's not what equity is for. No. You know. Yeah. And there's a lot of investors. You know, savvy, like, you know, your high-end sophisticated really look at what's called um, uses of funds. And, you know, if you're seeing, you know, you want to see infrastructure and tech and you know, all that stuff. Right. But when you start seeing massive marketing chunks, you're going. Yeah, which is, which is kind of sh- a lot of the time women will build something and then go out looking for the equity and, and now they need it for the marketing or for the branding or for the whatever. And, of course, no one wants yeah. to get in at that. So nobody wants that, you know, marketing, spent, their money to be spent on marketing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me about any. You've told us of a couple of women that have helped you along the way. Are there some that have really made a big difference in your career that you want to sort of, you know, give us some names? Because um, look, one of the things yes, I think there is are. there aren't enough. We don't. We're not talking up women enough. It's um. It's no, another one. There's, um, there's another wonderful woman in America called Erin Gallagher who is really really I'm going to get her on this podcast um, and she does this hype women thing and, and it's and it's totally yes. true we need to talk up women so tell me have there been any wonderful women yeah we do you? no I mean I think I, I'm on women's on the international women's I ran out of mentions I think <laughs> um you know but look I think that um my formative at time at NAB, a lady called Siobhan Forbes, who I'm still very close to, um, Louise Meadows, also through NAB, both of them have instilled uh, principles and wisdom into me that has never lo- I've never lost right. and always, actually always go back and contact them. And I went, I thought of this today. <laughs> and I thought one. of you. Um, yeah, and uh, Hannah Dawson and Helen Cockle, who run Futurely, which is the company aligned with Zero, okay. you know, they, you know, really um, were instrumental in, you know, getting into this sort of side of the industry, like without without de- without de- uh, question. Yeah. Um, you know, and then having sort of come in and met and invested in some, you know, extraordinary people. Um, uh, there's a, a company called Rays in WA, Amy Carter-Jones and Sonia Trio, and they are outstanding women wow. um, who I've got a lot of time for. Um, and Nabby Miriam, who runs Cover Hero, which I'm an investor in, um, you know, she she gets, you know, you knock her down, she gets back up. She's, oh, that's you know, a, a, real, a real force. Yeah, a real force. Um uh, definitely um, a lady called Blue Garcia who runs a consultancy called 88 Pieces. She's excellent, but a lot of time, a lot of respect for her. Oh, that's great. Um, I'm so glad you, know, you could The ladies at SBE, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. Nicole and Carmen and Sarah's obviously left. Um, Christy Whitehill at Tech Ready Women is superb. Kirsten Hunter is like the fairy godmother of, you know, uh, the industry for women from tech stars. Wow. Um, you know, so there's so many and they give their time, you know, so freely and so, uh, you know. Generously. Yeah, there is numerous, but they, you know, definitely have um, have been instrumental in uh, helping guide the, my journey. Um, I'm delighted to hear obviously that. Obviously, Cindy Gallup has been instrumental as well. Um, yeah, there's many. Um, and I meet more and more all the time. 
you know, uh, we run a great panel at SXSW. Um, so I met Elaine Steed and Hannah Marino through that. I think they're fabulous. Um, so, yeah, more and more. And Bring it then on. you start to create cults with sort of, you know, WhatsApp cults. <laughs> um, so, Fantastic. yeah, it's um, – so, yeah, as I said, they, they those influences and those people grow every day. It's, it's not a static existence in terms of – uh, the people you meet and how they inspire you. No, and and hopefully there'll be more and more and more women coming out of the woodwork to help other women once they realise that we're not all stealing each other's jobs, clients, or customers. We're or if we all if we all help each other, we all we all rise together. Which I think you know. I mean, it sounds corny, but it's wow. true. What do they say? Kindness is on the comeback. Yeah, uh, and I think is a become business hygiene again, um, which is Good. you know great. Night, you know nice and. I know people that will categorically turn out investors if their principles don't align. I'd rather go under. Yeah, fantastic. And sell the, you know. Fantastic. But- and that's a, that's a big call, but that's. Yeah, but, you know, I think purpose is yeah. purpose and, and making change in the world is something that drives a lot of women to start their businesses and run their businesses. And if you've got those kind of principles, yeah. then you're not going to. You're not going to go and say, oh, you know, I need the money so badly that I will, you know, get into bed with someone that's completely against your principles. Okay, Kate, yep. Katie, you, we're, we're coming to the end, but one of the things that I have, I've probably interviewed about 250 women now for this podcast, and one of the things that I like to ask is how you are juggling work and life when you're so passionate about what you do, particularly in the face of a lot of women that are driving themselves to burnout. So it's more about how do you do, do where do you set your boundaries in your own life? Not very well. <laughs> Not very well. Okay. No, honestly, yeah. I had this conversation with my fiance the other night. Um, I'm actually uh, about to start 10 weeks worth of coaching um, exactly around that. Right. Um, uh, around staying connected to purpose and actually then blocking out what isn't purpose, which I think will block out 30% of the yeah bullshit um that comes you know with you know work and life what have you um so it's something i'm not i don't have great sleep hygiene i'm terrible i can pull an all-nighter like nobody um so i haven't done that for a long time actually i will say but um so you know making sure that i have my computer and my phone away for two hours every night after once the kids get home, yeah, well done. Um, you know, so that you stay engaged and have family dinners and those sorts of things. And um, weekends. And weekends. Um, don't tend to really get, no, I'm with my, my children and with their oh, um, father good. and that's the time for me and my fiancé and that is sacred. Yeah, great. So um, good. I'm not giving that up. Sounds like you I'm have got a bit of balance Sorry. there. I think that that's, that's yeah, good. I've got a little bit. I need a lot more, Jules. It's not, I'm not, I, it is, you know. I have, is, he's um, a really. I did burn out. Did you? September, 20, September 21. Yeah, hit the right. floor. Totally. Just well, you're lucky that you didn't sort of lose your health the long term for it. Um. <laughs> No, but I fought hard to come back from it. Um, really, I did. Yeah. Um, so. No, I think it's um, important. I've got. And... I have a really good question to ask, actually, that I think is an indicator, and it was only because I asked this woman in in during the podcast. We were talking about, and she was saying she was a real workaholic, and I said, "So if you have an afternoon, you know, say a two or three hour meeting blocked out, and somebody cancels at the last minute, what do you do? I know what, what I do. What do you do? Sleep. Yeah. 
Sleep. I said, I hit the sofa like, it's like, great, I've got an afternoon oh. off. I, and she said, I go, great, I've got three extra hours to do more work. And I was like, I no, no I'm either on no, no, or no. I'm off. I, I don't have that middle ground no, of I, um, pottering. So I would say, if someone said to me, what's your kind of favourite hobby? I would say napping, honestly. <laughs> great. Me and my fiancé are world champion nappers. Great. And um, I would totally, if I had a cancellation, I'd be on the nap train. Yeah, fantastic. That's it. Yeah. Okay, last question. Is there a quirky fact about you that uh, most people don't know about that you'd be up for sharing? <laughs> it can be anything. Which quirky fact? Um, quirky fact. Some skill you might have that nobody knows about? <laughs> Some. When I say quirky, not necessarily nobody knows about. Oh, look, I'm a pro- prolific overshearer <laughs> and overcommunicator. So to say, is there something that somebody doesn't know about me? It's is hard to find. a bit of a stretch. Um, yeah, I think. Um, I would say that I am still one of those people that projects uh, a certain life and a certain level of, you know, happiness when, you know, it can be a, a shit show yeah. Yeah. behind the scenes um, for any different reason. Um, and, you know, the other thing as well is um, I'm one of those people that for whatever reason is constantly underestimated. Six foot blonde. Oh, really? Don't know. Six foot. Um, oh, I love a six foot woman. Yeah, and I've actually, I've actually had people um, in like when you do go go away to work retreats, actually go. Oh, when we hired you, I just went, oh god, we and then I must admit, you know. So um, I do. I think there is a real, still a propensity in society to judge a book by its cover. Mm, oh, no doubt. <laughs> Great. Yeah, totally. You know, you just. You know, but there is some advantage to being underestimated at times. Yes. Provided you use it for good and not evil. Exactly, exactly. And on that note, I'm gonna say thank you so much. If anyone wants to do oh, your thank you, Jules. Oh, if anyone wants to do your ten week course, wants to connect with you, wants to have a chat with you, wants to talk to you about investing. Oh yes, I have someone fabulous to recommend. Oh um, who gets um yes, so um get them to get in contact with me and I will give the details um to them. Um, no, I'm so just talking about contact. if someone wants to get in hold of you or to do your course, what is the best way of them getting hold of you? LinkedIn? Oh, me, just kate at katefreeman.io. Okay. Yeah, no, kate at katefreeman.io. Okay, and you got a website? Yeah, just email me. Everybody else does. Okay. <laughs> I do. It's really shit. Okay. Don't go there. All right, brilliant. Well, I built it myself. The, the Equity Hive website's better, but um, I do have one because I don't really have a CV, so I just send everybody to a website. All right, all right. Well, listen, thank you so, so much for Excellent. sharing. Yeah, you are fabulous. You too, fabulous. and I can't see you next week. No, I know. It's going to be brilliant. Have a great day. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au.